Hello and welcome back to the History of the British Isles podcast. Episode 22, The Death of a Martyr. Thank you to all of you that answered my surveys. The results were pretty positive, which is good to hear. Episode lengthwise, it was quite divisive. It was split between 20 to 30 minutes and and 10 to 15 minutes. So I'm going to please none of you and aim at 10 to 15 minutes with some episodes airing on the shorter side. That's the only result I feel like I need to talk about right now. I've also seen significant growth in followers on Twitter. I've gained about 20 in the past week and a half-ish. Go and follow me there at History British His Pod, all lowercase. Also, support me on Patreon if you can. This episode will be going out a day early for my one thing above tier patron, so if you want that, or any of the other benefits I've got, go and support me there. As always, I'll link that in the description. The final obligatory plug I have got to make is before we dive into this surprisingly warless episode is for my Discord. As always, I'll link that alongside my Patreon and Twitter. Now, let us begin. After the death of Edwig, his younger brother Edgar came to the throne. Edgar spent his youth in the care of Elthwin, wife of Athelstan Halfking. The young prince was educated by Benedictine monks, which is doubtless why he would later be a proponent of the Benedictine reform movement. Unlike his brother Edwig, Edgar gained the support of the church and was thusly portrayed as a good king by the chroniclers. This does not mean, however, that there was much coverage of Edgar's reign. There are but ten entries in the Anglo-Saxon chronicle about his reign, and most other chroniclers focus on the Benedictine reform movement rather than the temporal deeds of Edgar. The 20th century historian Sir Frank Stenton goes as far as to describe Edgar's reign, or at least what we know of it, as singularly devoid of recorded incident. Let us discuss what we do know about Edgar's reign and his kingship. As we discussed in the previous episode, if you can remember that distant time, England was divided in two, with Edgar controlling the land north of the Thames and Edgar the land south of the river. During this time, Edgar welcomed St Dunstan into his court. Edward had expelled him, as we talked about last time. On taking the crown of England in its entirety, Edgar made Dunstan the Archbishop of Canterbury. Edgar was also crowned, was crowned on the 1st of October 959, though it is important to add he was not consecrated king. He made his tutor Aetherwald, a Benedictine reformer and monk, Bishop of Worcester, and gave him a prominent position at court. Though Edgar is, is commonly displayed as pious, he seems to have no qualms with taking mistresses. This would lead to the legitimacy of his elder son, Edward, later coming into question. That would lead to much turmoil, but we'll cover that later on in this episode. Edgar married up to three times, but the only one of those who is important to our story is his final wife, Elfrith. She was the widow of Alderman Aethelwald of East Anglia and became a powerful force at Edgar's court. Militarily, Edgar was focused on defence and had built up a large fleet. Then the, the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle claims, and I quote, nor was there a fleet so proud nor a host so strong that it got itself prey in England. John of Worcester, a 12th century monk, claimed Edgar had, admit, had as many as 3,600 ships while Roger of Wendover, a monk in the 13th century, claimed he had 4,800. 
Both of these claims are most certainly exaggerating, but we can tell that Edgar would have had a sizeable fleet. How he did this was by dividing England into 300 hide areas called ship spokes. Each of these had to ride the navy by giving ships and equipment. As far as I can tell, and email me if I'm wrong, not all of England was divided into these ship spokes. Though, I mentioned earlier on that for some reason Edgar decided not to be consecrated monarch when he was crowned. Well, he finally decided to get consecrated on the 11th of May 973 in Chester. Historians don't know why he chose to do this so far into his reign, but some think it might have something to do with the time a priest was consecrated. We, don't, we do know that he was a pious man to some degree, after all. This event coincided with the meeting of many British monarchs, but the importance of this event is disputed and most non-historians that I've read doubt its importance. Two years later, on the 8th of July 975, Edgar died of unknown causes. He was aged 31 or 32 years old and was buried at Glastonbury Abbey. Before we move on to the reign of Edgar's son, Edward, we should talk a bit about the changes Edgar made to administration. Four of the oldest surviving English law codes are attributed to Edgar. These entailed a variety of things, many ecclesiastical, so I'm only going to cover the things which would have a lasting impact on England. Edgar made justice more accessible and also further centralised England, doing away with varying coinages. Here's an extract from one of Edgar's law codes, and I quote, One coinage is to be current throughout all the king's dominion, and no man is to refuse it. There, ha there have been many previous attempts to standardise the coinage, but Edgar was far more successful than any of his predecessors. He also made provision for local Danish law codes and allowed them to have, in his own words, such good laws as they best decide on. Another one of Edgar's changes was to standardise weights and measures throughout England, which I can applaud him for. Imagine how complex life would have been with different measurements everywhere you go. Trade would have been much harder when you and whoever you were trading with used two different ways of measuring goods. Edgar was succeeded by Edward the Martyr, who was 13 years old at the time. Edward's mother was unknown, and his legitimacy was certainly doubted by his contemporaries. This meant that his succession was not secure. His younger brother Aethelred, aged no more than nine and undoubtedly legitimate, was favoured by many at court. His mother Aethelfrith, who we talked about earlier, Aethelwold, Bishop of Worcester, and Aethelwyn, Elderman of East Anglia, all supported Aethelred's claim. Edward had the support of St Dunstan, Archbishop of Canterbury, Archbishop Oswald of York and Alderman Elfhere of Western Mercia and Central Wessex. Edward had the bigger backers, so he won the dispute and was crowned king by Archbishop Dunstan. Because he was underaged, he, had, he, had lit, he held little to no actual influence over the management of England. As such, overall central control of England slipped. For Edward, Edward's part, there seemed to be little in the way of hard feelings towards the backers of Aethelred. Elfrith's dowry, namely jurisdiction over Dorset, was confirmed, and, and she built up an estate in the Purbeck Hills, where, where she lived with her son. On the 8th of March, 978, Edward went on a visit to see his younger half-brother. When he arrived at the estate, some members of Elfrith's household killed the young king. 
They buried him unceremoniously, and I quote, at the house of a certain unimportant po person. The alderman elf here collected the body, and it was interred at the nunnery of Shaftesbury. Sorry for all these very similar names that I'm often saying differently. That's just it's very hard, because they're all A's. Edward was later venerated as saint and made a martyr. At this point, Elfred was the sole candidate for the succession, so Elfred's aim succeeded. Aethelred was crowned king, Aethelred II. He would later become known as the Unready. Though condemned by the church for her regicide, Elfred got away scot-free and would later foster Aethelred's eldest son, Aethelstan. So that brings our episode to a mildly ominous close. If you enjoy the show, please do give a review on iTunes or wherever you can. Also, if I did get anything wrong, email me at historyofthebritishisles at gmail.com. Know that. I hope you enjoyed that sliver of Anglo-Saxon history. England is about, is about to well and truly fall to the Vikings, so more drama is soon to come. The last few episodes have been reasonably tame on the battling side of things. We are well and truly in the last stretch of the Anglo-Saxons now. 1066 is almost right on our doorstep. The next episode will be in one or two weeks, and it's going to be one of the harder ones to research. See you all then!